I don't think Cupid is going to be shooting arrows at anyone's heart this Valentine's of 2023. But what I think is going on is the United States of America is shooting down balloons. It is shooting down (laughs) these spy crafts. And some are even saying UFOs. But uh, we could use this to our advantage because I have learned, I have learned after going through a season in my life where I was dating, where I was courting, when I made it official, when I got engaged, and I, then I got married to the lovely Anna Gleason, uh, I, I figured out a few things here that you can use crisis to your advantage in developing, beginning, getting into a very healthy relationship. I, and I saw this back in 2020. It was COVID-19, the lockdowns, the wake of the pandemic, all of that. You would have thought that everybody who was single would have slowed down their quest to find that special someone. But from what I saw from my social media text I was receiving, it didn't slow anything down. It sped it up. And I think it was because it was that, I don't know, just that uh, that pressure that it was the end of the world. And if you're going to get married, you might as well do it now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I saw it last year, about a year ago, in the beginnings of the Russia-Ukraine war. It was like, boom, people were getting married left and right. <laughs> Relationships were beginning. And I think right now we feel kind of that same thing happening right now with this Russia-Ukraine war. And now uh, balloons from China or wherever floating around uh, spying on us. And, oh, my goodness, it's the end times. (laughs) You know, my God, this is stuff happening in the book of Revelation being fulfilled right now. I need to get married. And it may take that for some people. There's nothing wrong with a little inspiration, whether (laughs) from... Your family, your friends, or big balloons floating around (laughs) up in the sky. I'm Justin Gleason, wishing all of you a very, very happy Valentine's Day 2023. Here for you, another Healthy Relationships original. You're listening to Justin C. Gleason, the media home of God, Bible, and Church. Give an offering for the work of this content through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Galatians chapter 6 says, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. He who sows to the Spirit will reap everlasting life. If you want what is taught in this episode to be active in your life, then I invite you to give what the Lord says to give. Thank you for your generosity. God bless you. Not too long ago, I was at a church and a mother and her teenage daughter came up to me. We were in a group and they told me that the other day they were out having some mother and daughter time and they were listening to my podcast. And I got to tell you that 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 is just such good feedback for me because I'm still shocked to this day. I I need to just quit saying this. 
I'm going to try to make a promise to myself. I'm going to quit talking about ladies that listen to this podcast because in the beginning I thought no lady's ever going to listen to this. I'm making this for 19, 20, 21 year old dudes. That's who I originally had in mind, but I have just found that uh, there's a lot of ladies out there that just love the message of God, Bible, and church. And this mother and daughter listened to a recent episode I made. It was the the one um, that came out around uh, Christmas time. I think it was Make It Official this Christmas season, something like that. I, I don't I don't feel like going back and looking it up. But anyway. And they were telling me how funny they thought it was and how awesome they thought it was and how it it just really, they enjoyed riding in the car together, listening to it. And I could tell a lot of the content really spoke to this, this daughter. And I asked her, is there any other things that you would like me to talk about? And she said, would you please talk about long distance relationships? And I said, absolutely. So this episode uh, is for MW and all the other people out there that are wondering about long distance relationships. And it's a good question. It's a good topic. And I don't know if I've ever dedicated an actual episode to long distance relationships. Although I have talked about it here and there because, uh, my wife and I dated courted long distance. And I want to go into the details about, uh, how we did it. I know I've talked about it, but from what I can tell, that my my story of how I got married has never gotten old for people because every time I tell it, new details come out that I haven't said before. And so that is what I want to do. And I'll try to tell this maybe from a girl's perspective, but I know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's just going to be how I saw it and how I've and how I experienced it. And I, I you know, I I try to sometimes talk about what a girl is going through here and there a little bit <laughs> mainly if I, if I if I tell the guy what to do I found out that if a guy will take the first step and lead it usually goes okay but uh, a lot of people are wondering about this stuff this long distance thing look maybe you're wondering is it the will of God for me to date long distance well sometimes God speaks to us about dating who we're going to marry You read the New Testament, it opens up with a story about Joseph, who was ready to put away his wife, but the Lord appears to him in a dream and warns him. The angel says, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. And so that can happen. You know, Adam is put into a deep sleep, wakes up and, you know, there's the wife. So miraculous things can happen like that. That's not happening to you and you're, you know, waiting. Why not open up your eyes and look at the signs and signals maybe that are before you. Uh, Look around in your youth group. Is there anybody in there that is suitable for you? Look around in your section. Are there any girls that you're attracted to that would work out for you? Maybe look uh, in your district, perhaps. When you start looking around and nobody catches your eye, nobody pulls on your heart, you, you see no connection to their past, nothing here for the present, and no imagination for the future for anybody, and you know you're ready to get married, you know you're ready to take action and make it happen, so what are you going to do? <laughs> well, you're probably going to need to date long distance. I was in that place. I certainly was. I come from a, a, very, a very great church, a, a larger church. No suitable girls for me. Uh, I come from a great district, 
No suitable girls for me. I come from a great area, the Midwest. There were no suitable girls for me. And uh, and I, I kind of had a sense, and I knew it's probably going to have to be a long distance unless the Lord opens up edu- uh, you know, a great scholarship, a, a great career, or something here in Kansas City. And the future Sister G moves to Kansas City. We fall in love and, and date, or excuse me, we date and then fall in love and get engaged and get married. But I had a sense it was going to be a long distance thing for me. And I know you have reservations about it. You're worried about it. You know, how can you, how can you get to know somebody long distance? And how is it even possible? And you got all these fears and worries because it's, you know, naturally you want to be in somebody's presence a lot if a relationship is supposed to supposed to grow. But guys, let me tell you, I think it was Albert Einstein that said sitting with a pretty girl for an hour only feels like a minute. Sitting with a pretty girl for an hour only feels like a minute. And I got to tell you, that is very, very true. So I was in a, a friend of mine's wedding. Yeah, the wedding was in St. Louis. A lot of a Gateway College alumni were there, and it was on a Saturday, July 12, 2008. And and I, I'm going to come back to the, the sitting with a, a pretty girl for an hour only feels like a minute here uh, shortly in that episode. But that's kind of where you, you need to keep that in mind, you know, because long distance is about time. And what happens in that time and the quality of that time and doing more and less time together is, is, is the key to making it work. And that's really what I did uh, for my long-distance relationship. And now a very, very, uh, <laughs> a very great marriage, you know, that's very close distance now. And so basically, you're just going to have to learn to get close through a long-distance relationship. You're going to have to get close through a long-distance relationship. So I came to this wedding July 12, 2008. Here's, a, here's some, a good guideline, a good principle. When you're single, go to everything. Go to every wedding. Go to every funeral. <laughs> go to every conference. Go to, every, go to everything. you got to be seen. It would be better to do that than to, than to uh, get into a lot of those singles, apps, and pages, although that it's, something can happen in there. It does. It's, it's rare, but it's, you're more than likely going to meet that person. God, God very rarely uh, makes connections through the Internet. I've just found that. Sometimes it does, but most of the time it's, it's face-to-face. It's how he designed us to meet. So maybe do a little bit of both, but my advice, go to everything that you can. So I went to this wedding. I was a part of the wedding party, and my friend, uh, the groom, told me about a girl from his home district in Minnesota. Now, keep in mind, this is four days after uh, a, a relationship I was in ended, and I, I felt like I was kicked to the curb, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, I, I'd already been through some bad breakups. I'd already broken a few hearts, so now it was time for it to happen to me, I suppose. But that's just, you know, dating and courting is just messy. You know, it's just a part of it, but thankfully we're all at peace and everything is fine and all of us have gone on to get married and we all have kids and we're all happy and great. That's just American dating in the church, you know, and it's not so bad and you can't be afraid to take those risks. So, but it had been four days after that happened and I was just you know, my emotions were raw. I was tore up inside. And dating, beginning anything, was the last thing on my mind. 
but I heard about this uh, single girl, very eligible, very suitable for me that would be at this wedding. And so we go through the wedding. And I later found out that Anna, <laughs> Anna Bullock at the time, uh, was checking me out the entire wedding. She really liked my hair. <laughs> I had that early to mid-2000s hair thing going on. And so the reception started, and I just went up to her and introduced myself. I've always been that way. I, I think it's better to introduce yourself than to be introduced. Just go up and say hello. I'm telling you, guy, if you will just be smooth and be nice and be very pleasant. Girls like nice guys. Just be nice. And I think being nice is even better than flirting in the beginning of it. Just be so kind and so nice and so genuine and gracious and uh, just swallow the nerves and just be nice. And so I, wa I walk up to her and she saw me coming and smiled so big. And I could hear the sound of her lips going across her teeth. That smile was so big. <laughs> and she extended her hand to shake my hand. Now, guys, I want to tell you something. I think like the original rule book of American Gentlemen, you never extend your hand to shake a lady's hand. It would be better and when you're first meeting. It would be better if she did it to you because not every girl likes to be touched, okay? And a handshake is very appropriate. Don't do the hug thing. That's just That's just too much. Don't be too extra. The handshake is very professional, very cordial, and a good way to not cross any lines or any boundaries. Plus, you know, you're not going to really, uh, not everybody's going to stop and look at what you're doing, you know, because that's the way we are in Pentecost, right? Two single people talk. Everybody has to look and stop and see what happens, right? We've got some of the weirdest <laughs> things that we do that put people, single people in weird situations. For instance, anytime I would be at a conference, like as a guest speaker, or back then I used to play bass a lot. I'd go to a conference and play a bass and they would have a dinner or something afterwards. They would always situate me at the dinner table next to sing a single girl or single girls. Like I couldn't sit with the preachers. I always, the the host, the pastor's wife. Now, Brother Gleason, you sit here and, and uh, here is Sister Mary. Have you all met? Well, you know, and, and it's just like, ugh. And so we do that. And another thing I've noticed is when two single people talk at the altar call, everybody stops and stares. <laughs> so maybe we should change that. Take the pressure off people. Doing this is hard enough, especially if you're trying to enter or begin something long distance. So, And I just uh, introduced myself. And she introduced herself. And that was it. She didn't know it at the time, but I was just so tore up inside. And so we had a great reception. I was ready to uh, turn in my tux, pack up my suitcase, and get back to Kansas City. The, the wedding, the reception was on a Saturday. So, And that at that time, I was a youth pastor. And I had to teach and minister to the youth group and be a part of church that next Sunday. So I was ready to get home. So I go down after getting changed and ready to go, and I go up to the valet. And it's about, oh, I don't know, maybe like 8 o'clock. I can't remember the time exactly, but it was around 8 o'clock. And I go up to the valet. I give him my sticker, and I said, I want my car. I was driving a 2000 Nissan Maxima. It was black. I missed that car. I took that car to over 300,000 miles. I missed that car. And uh, they said, okay, we'll be right back with your car, sir. So I, I sit down. Ten minutes go by, 
still waiting on the car. About 15, 20 minutes go by, still waiting on the car. And I look up and coming down the stairs is this absolutely stunning girl that I had met earlier at the reception. Beautiful blonde hair, beautiful blue eyes, just an absolutely godly, gorgeous lady comes walking down the stairs, but with a big group. She comes and sits down there in the lobby, and I look down, and I could tell. I just knew she she noticed me. <laughs> and I just sat there. 30 minutes goes by, and I get up, and I and I ask, uh, where's my car? And they're like, oh, we, we're looking for it. We're looking for it. I'm like, you're looking for it? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and uh, they're, they're like, uh, we're sorry. We'll, we'll get your car here soon, shortly, sir. You know, it should have taken them three minutes, but here it's been like 20, 30 minutes, something like that. And so I sit down after about five minutes, I get up and I ask again, we're still looking for the car. And I said, okay, I'm going to be right over there. You call me when you find my car. So I told the valet, I'm going to be sitting over there in that group of people. You call me when my car is ready. And so I walk up. And to this group, there's like 25 of them that came down from, you know, from out of town to the wedding. And uh, there was a couple Missouri people there that I, that I knew. I just kind of waved and said hello. And But there in this group of people sitting in chairs and tables in this lobby, I could tell they were all about to go out and have fun in St. Louis. There was one seat that was open, one seat that was open, and it was right next to Anna. And it just occurred to me, okay. It should have taken three minutes to get my car, but it's now been like almost 45 minutes. And there's one seat left open next to this girl. There's no way that this is a coincidence, so I just walked right in through a, an open door. You know, God does mighty signs such as speaking in tongues, casting out devils, healing the sick, working of miracles. But also God steps right in and will give you signs as to the person you are to marry. What? You don't believe me? Read it in the book of Genesis. Hopefully you have in your Bible bread program, right? Abraham Stewart travels to a faraway land to seek for a wife among his own people. And he asks the Lord, the, the woman who offers to water the camels and all that, that will be the, the bride uh, for Isaac. And sure enough, Rebecca comes out and performs the signs that he requested of the Lord in detail. Read your Bible, it's there. So <laughs> now I didn't ask for God to, I didn't fleece him for a delay in my valet. I wanted to get home. I didn't want to get home at midnight. Okay. And I, 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 and my heart was just raw and I was tore up inside and wasn't ready for anything. But here there's an open seat. <laughs> you know, what else do you need? So I sit down and uh, the first thing out of my mouth is I start complaining about the valet. I don't, to this day, why did I do that? I broke my number one rule. I learned a long time ago, girls like nice guys. I should have just sat on and been nice. But after venting about the uh, valet, I just started talking to Anna and got to know Anna. And we talked. It took them like another 45 minutes. It took an hour and a half for them to find my car. And I went back up there a couple times like, do I need to call the police? They're like, no, we have your keys. We, we just misplaced it, and we're very sorry. I'm like, okay. Deep down in my, in my spirit, the Holy Ghost, I knew what was going on. It was a legit delay for me to get to know this girl because I should have talked to her at the reception. If I would have talked to her at the reception. And, and let me back up. Do you know what the reception? After uh, dinner was served and everybody was talking, I looked over, and she was sitting at the table all by herself. 
And another groomsman's man said, you need to go talk to her, you know. And I said, I'm not doing it. He said, you should go talk to her. I said, I'm not doing it because <laughs> everybody will stop and look. So God knew I should have went and talked to her at the reception. I didn't. So he stopped my valet from getting the car out. <laughs> hey, it's real. It's a true story. So we talked. They finally got the car and I said goodbye to her, goodbye to everybody. And I left. And the whole way home, all I could think about was Anna. The Justin C. Gleason Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Please leave a five-star rating and a great review. Contact me at justincgleason at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. And share this episode with your friends. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level. The next day at church, all I could think about was Anna. And that Monday, I got on Facebook and sent her a message there on July 14th, 2008. Said it was nice to meet you. I would like to call you. May I have your number? I thought she's not going to respond, but oh, she did. (laughs) Within like 45 minutes, responded, gave me her number. I didn't call her right away, I probably should have, but I waited a few days, and all I could think about was her. So on that Thursday, I was on my way to Missouri District Camp Meeting, and on my way there, I called her, and we had a great conversation, just 20 minutes, just talked. And that night, I went out to eat with my friends, and my phone buzzed, and I looked down, and it was Anna, and she said, hey, how was church? And I said... To all of them at that table, I said, this girl doesn't care about church. She likes me. (laughs) That's a little bit of that prophetic insight (laughs) operating there. And uh, they're like, you go, Gleason. So for the entire camp meeting, we texted all during church, all afternoon till late at night. (laughs) So, yeah, we uh, our relationship began with a quick handshake, a quick meeting, she was sitting at an empty table during much of the reception. I never went and talked to her, so God delayed and hid my car from the valet professionals at the hotel. And all I could think about was her. And so we texted a lot. And come to find out, we were both going to the community meeting. I think it's now the Youth Workers Training Seminar. And so we got there, we met, and I arranged it to take her out to breakfast. You know, she's there with her youth group, her people. I didn't want to impose, so, but... I knew, hey, we're here. We might as well. So what better time than breakfast? Girls like to be taken to breakfast. If you're at a conference, it would probably be better to do breakfast than dinner. A lot less people, a lot more quieter, and breakfast is a good thing to do. I think it's a great spot to date, great time at a conference to date, breakfast. And uh, so we talked, and it went so good. And uh, so on my way back home, I knew this, this is real. And I, I really wanted to pursue it because, you know, I enjoyed texting her. I enjoyed talking to her. I enjoyed having breakfast with her. I enjoyed being around her. And so uh, that week I arranged to come up and visit her for a weekend. I remember when I asked her, I said, I'd like to come see you. And she went, uh, uh, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I want to come see you. And so I arranged for it. It was the last weekend of August. And so I went up and... 
and took her out for a nice steak dinner and we made it official. All of that had a great weekend. And that's really the beginnings of my long distance relationship with my wife. It began with a lot of talking, a lot of signs to me this was it. Now, the first three months were very critical. So you had July, August, September, October. So right there, there's a, there's a 90 day window. Okay, from uh, July 12th to, you know, you count three months, August, September, October, 90 days, around mid-October. About three months after going and visiting her, she'd already come and visited me, saw my town, saw my church, saw my life. It was time to really have the talk, and I told her, you know, I don't know my future. And I told her about some of the things that confused me about my future and which direction I'm supposed to go. And truthfully, I was considering other options than the ministry. And she stopped me and said, no, you're meant to be a pastor. (laughs) You are meant to be there in Kansas City. And it was actually my girlfriend at the time and my mother that really helped course correct my, uh, my ministry crisis. You know, everybody has them. And it, it was awesome. Most guys have them in their late teens. I had mine in my early to mid and even up into my late 20s, I would just get through these, I don't know, these spiritual states of mental anguish and chaos. And I've talked about it in the past, spiritual warfare and stuff. It was actually an unclean spirit uh, uh, seeking to deceive me. And so we, we had to talk about the future. And I found out she would go wherever I wanted to go. <laughs> so we had that talk. And uh, I told her, I would like to know what kind of ring you want by uh, New Year's Eve. (laughs) In saying that, I hinted at, I want to know what kind of ring you want around Christmas and New Year's Eve. But guys, you say ring and she's into you. uh, She's going to find the ring very quickly. And within 24 hours, she texted me, hey, I found a ring. Well, after uh, talking to the family and all of that, we decided, you know, it would be best, you know, not to have a 2009 wedding, but have a 2010 wedding. And it worked out. I wouldn't change a thing. But I remember that next day because I wanted to get married around the uh, late summer, early fall of 2009. But after talking, we looked at all the money we could save, all of this and that that we could put into place. And, you know, it just would be better, you know, so to wait. When it comes to long distance, you bet you you need to be patient. And it goes back to what Einstein said. An hour with a pretty girl only feels like a minute. And I knew 2009 would go by so fast, and it did. Oh, it did. The Lord spoke to me right there. October 2008, 2009 is going to be the fastest year of your life, and it was. I went up and saw Anna so much, sometimes three times in a month. I would uh, wrap up my work for the church Friday at noon, and I would get in my car and drive up there and get and get up there to uh, the Twin City areas of Minneapolis around uh, 6 p.m., 6.30, something like that. And we'd go right out for a date and just have so much fun and then spend all day Saturday together. And then sometimes I would stay over for church every once in a while, but most of the time I would get on the road about 6 p.m. So I'd only be in town for 24 hours. I get on the road at 6 p.m., get back home at midnight to 1 a.m., you know, and go to church the next day, take care of the youth group, all of that, and then start it all over. I did that a lot. I did that a lot. And those drives, six hours only seemed like six minutes. <laughs> the, the, those dates and all the time we spent together just 
seemed like moments, and 2009 only seemed like nine minutes. It went by so fast. Because that's what love will do. Time means nothing. You know, you look at uh, Jacob and Rachel had to work like a total like 14 years for her, but those first seven years felt like just days. When you're in love and it's long distance, it, it won't feel long. You won't feel far apart. You won't. Nowadays, you have a phone. Use that phone for something good. And I say use that phone to do a lot of texting. Oof, a lot of it. Use that phone to do a lot of phone calls. And if you like FaceTime, I don't know. Even today, if I was, I think back, if I was 25, would I do FaceTime? So I probably wouldn't. I like talking on the phone. I like talking, maybe a little FaceTime here and there, but talking on the phone, you don't have to worry what you look like, especially in the beginning. Guys, you want a girl to feel comfortable. She's, she's going to worry about what she looks like. And I know you want to see her, and I know she wants to be seen, but those phone calls, they'll probably go longer, and they'll probably be more meaningful. And chances are you'll probably have a better stream of consciousness in the flow of conversation, just to tell you the truth. But, hey, teach his own. And then I recommend, dude, you need to be writing her a lot. And I'm talking pen and paper. I want you to go out and get a, a, a nice... uh. It's some nice paper. Get you a quality pen and get some good envelopes and a lot of stamps and write her almost every day. And that's what I did. I wrote Anna almost every day. I would get up uh, at 6 o'clock, get on up to the coffee shop not far from the church. I'd order a latte, and while I was drinking that latte, I wrote Anna. And right next to that coffee shop was a post box, and I would just drop that letter right in the post box. Sometimes I'd write her at night. but From time to time, I'd... uh, Send a picture or two, <laughs> maybe a squirt of cologne on that letter or something. I would send her gifts, but you need to be sending things by mail. Very powerful. It, you, it will. Her heart will be knit to yours. Gifts do that. They knit your heart to somebody. That's why giving to your church is so powerful. Tithing, all that. You, if your relationship with God is lacking, you probably got a tithing problem, just to be honest. And if you're relationships with that special somebody is lacking. You probably have a gift problem, gift giving problem. So, but uh, long distance is very important to me because my great grandfather, Turner Gleason, his relationship with my great grandmother, Flo Gleason began long distance. In the early 1900s, my great grandfather, Turner Gleason, he was a part of a evangelistic group. I, I can't remember what you call it, but they, these groups, mostly guys, they would go from city to city and primarily college campuses and sometimes churches, whatever, and they would sing, they would preach, they'd do all of that stuff. And so he was a part of that group, and he came from Chagrin Falls, Ohio, and they did a tour out west, and he got out all the way out to Oregon City, Oregon, and he met a girl named Flo Baker, and he was just smitten with her. Found out she was 16 years younger than him. 16 years younger than him. And that's my formula, actually. You want to know my age gap? It's 16 years. Because I think in 16 years, you can still grow old together. You can still build a life together. Once past 16 years, you can't, you know, girl, you're going to be taking care of an old man before you know it. Do you want that? Okay. Guy, you could be taking care of an old woman. Do you want that? You want to do life together. Okay. You know, now it's not unlawful if you're older than six, you know, further apart than 16 years. It's not. And I actually know a few marriages uh, that are over 16 and they're great marriages. That's just kind of my 
boundary, okay? So anyway, to each his own. If your parents are good with it, your pastor's good with it. You know, I'm not going to forbid marriage. I'm not going to show up at your wedding and uh, declare there's no peace in this. I'm going to hold my peace and let it happen. I'm not I'm not going to stop love, okay? Right? Anyway, all right. I don't want to get too excited. <laughs> it's Valentine's. <laughs> so he met her, and that's it. So and he left the meeting, got back home. and But wait, wait. When he met her in, in Oregon City in the early 1900s, he asked for her address. Asked for her address. I don't think people had phones back then, but they, they did letters. So he got back home and started writing the letters, and she started writing him back. And they developed a long-distance relationship through letters. And in one letter, he proposed marriage. She wrote back and said, yes. <laughs> and so they got married and he moved out there. Moved out there. Had a lot of kids, including Wendell Clayton Gleason, my grandfather. So long distance is how, uh, is how my ancestry came about. And so I feel like I'm talking to a guy or girl and you know each other. Maybe you're both listening to this and... You're unsure about it because you feel like, oh, if you can only get married if, if she goes to your church or the next church or you have to be close, you know, maybe maybe you haven't traveled much. Maybe you haven't gone out and seen the world and all of that. You know, you need, you need to pay attention to the signs. You need to pay attention to what God is doing. You need to let God have his way in your life. And you may be in California and she may be in Texas. Okay. You know, girl, you may be in Florida, but he may be up in Michigan. And you don't know it, but you both have feelings for each other. And even though you're so far away, let me tell you, feelings don't know distance. <laughs> Love doesn't know distance. And I don't care how many miles you are away. If God's brought it together, you will feel so close. You can get close in a long distance relationship. You can do it through your phone. You can do it through letters. You can do it through trips. You'll know it. You'll feel it. It can work out. Keep your parents and your pastor in the loop. Make it happen. I'm telling you right now, this Valentine's Day just may be your season to begin a very healthy, long-distance relationship. God bless you. Enjoy now some content from the 2020 archive. It's time to deal. Forget about bad Valentine's days in the past. Forget about the grade school days when you had to make those stupid Valentine's days boxes. And your mom made you write out letters to all the girls in the class. Yes, even those girls that were mean to you. Hi, this is Justin Gleason. Welcome back to Spirit Signal. You know, Valentine's Days is one of those things, either you love it or you hate it. But I tell you what, nobody hates Valentine's Day if they got a date. It's hard to hate when you got a date. I think we need to get back to dating. Do you know how many people don't know what dating is, especially in this generation? I don't understand that. To me, if you're interested in a girl, you need to get a date. It's just as simple as that. Can I tell you guys something? 
a girl likes to be dated. Oh, yeah, you don't believe me? I tell you what, any girl, if she is really honest, she likes to get all dolled up, dressed nice, and be taken out and to be seen. That makes a girl feel special. You want my advice, guys? Take a girl out on a date this Valentine's Day and make her feel special. But on to the more spiritual side of things. I get this question a lot by people that are dating. Do you really think I'm doing the right thing? Do you really believe that what I'm doing here, this relationship, is really in the will of God? It's like the big thing now, a healthy relationship. I'm looking for a healthy relationship. I'm now in a very healthy relationship. Meaning for whatever reason, bad relationships didn't go good, but now for whatever reason, it's healthy. Well, around here, we like spiritual relationships. We like biblical relationships. We like will of God relationships. I heard when I was a young man that if you marry in the will of God, you marry the right girl, there's nothing like it. You marry the wrong girl, there's nothing like that either. So hopefully today we can give you some tips and some insights into finding that one uh, special person to get married and to spend the rest of your life with. We've been uh, talking about biblical signs, biblical signals, you know, how did the Lord direct today we can give you some tips and some insights into finding that uh, special person to get married and to spend the rest of your life with. We've been uh, talking about biblical signs, biblical signals, you know, how the Lord directs our lives and our paths by giving us little signs and signals. Does God give signs and signals to who you're going to marry? I think he does. He has certainly for me, and I believe the word of God shows us that. But uh, can I offer a disclaimer here that no sign will be given to a dating couple unless your relationship lines up with the word of God. Let me explain that. The Bible says in uh, Genesis, and actually Jesus quotes it too in the book of Mark chapter 10, that a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall be one flesh. And I think a good question is for all guys and for the girls with the guy that they're dating is, can he be independent from his parents? Can he live and survive and make it in his this life on his own? Not saying the parents shouldn't be there, not saying the parents shouldn't help. I believe in that. If the parents can, they can. But what I'm saying is, is can a guy emotionally leave his parents and join to a wife and become one with her? Can a man, can that special guy lose his individuality and become one with that special girl and take her to be his bride? If you can't do that, you're probably not going to get a sign. The sign you need is what's written right there in the Bible. If you're not ready to do that, don't do it. Believe me. I think another question, and there's a lot of them. I'm just going to give you two here. The second one is, is this person in church? It's very simple, but you wouldn't believe how many people complicate this. Now, we believe that um, all marriage is sacred. Marriage is honorable among all, the Bible says. Meaning, you know, let's say uh, a person of a different religion comes to the Christian religion and, uh, you know, they got married in their former religion. I believe that their marriage is still sanctified. You know, let's say a couple got married in a Buddhist wedding 
and they convert to Christianity, I don't think they have to re-say their vows. Their vows worked even in a Buddhist temple. They vowed their lives and God honored that and sanctified that. But if you're living for God and you want to get married, that person needs to be living for the Lord. They need to be in church. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, you need to marry, but marry in the Lord. Marry in the Lord. And I think a good question to ask ourselves when we're dating somebody is, how are you doing spiritually since you started dating that person? Do you feel pulled down or do you feel like you're doing better? I think those are good questions, good verses to start with, and hopefully that blesses you. Let me say to you guys, let's see, there's a girl out there that you really like. This is what you do. Figure out who her dad is. Go and ask your da- her dad and say, I would like to take your daughter out on a date. And your blessing to do so would mean everything to me. Start there and be ready to answer questions. He may want to know a few things about you. If he truly loves his daughter, he's going to check you out. After that, if you get the dad's blessing, go to her pastor. Go to her pastor and ask for his blessing. And then if you feel it, if you think it's necessary, figure out who her best girlfriend is and go to her and say, I know you're good friends and I'd like to know if it's okay to take your friend out on a date. If you can get the green light from those three sources, she is probably going to say yes to a date. If she's got any spiritual sense, she is going to say yes. I believe in the principle also, you attract what you are. You attract what you are. If you're not in a good place, you're probably not going to attract a person in a good place. If you are in a good place, you're living for the Lord, things are going good for you, that's probably the person you're going to attract. So put yourself on a 1 to 10 scale. If you're a 6, you should attract a 6. Find somebody that's compatible with you. You know the old joke, somebody will go up to a guy and say, wow, you married up. You know, I think, I don't really find that funny. I don't really find that funny. That means that the girl had to marry down. Do you really want to make a girl think that she married down? I don't think so. I think if you're going to become one flesh, you're going to leave your parents, leave your own individuality, become one with that person. You need to marry the person that you deserve. Now let's get to the God signs, the God signal aspects of finding a future husband or a future wife. You take a look at Adam and Eve, one of my personal favorite marriages in all of the Bible. They were married hundreds of years, and their marriage survived the sin, the downfall, the death of a child, and so many other adversities, so many other obstacles, but they stuck it out, kept their vows, and remained faithful. And it's a wonderful, wonderful marriage to take a look at and apply it to your own life. You take a look at Adam. He's the only man in the world And God says, Adam, I want you to name all of the animals. And Adam does that. After naming all of those animals, God says to Adam, now I want you to go to sleep. And while he's asleep, he takes a rib out of his side and forms a wife for him and brings brings her to him. Can I say that principle I think still applies today? For guys that are looking for that special girl, I think there are things that you must do for God before he will ever bring you that special girl. You have to do what he says to do. 
you have to work. You have to learn to become employable. There are certain assignments you have got to do to prove yourself worthy and ready to care for a wife. And then you got to learn to lay down, rest, and just trust in God. And if you will do that, God will give you a bride that will absolutely blow your mind. Uh, can God give you a dream regarding your spouse? Yes, he can. You take a look at Joseph and Mary. Joseph is uh, uh, engaged to Mary, but uh, he became fearful of uh, going into marriage with her, was going to put her away privately. The Bible says in Matthew 1 that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said to him, Do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. So yes, I believe the Lord can give dreams. He certainly can. But there are guys out there that are creeps, to be honest with you, that use that to try to emotionally manipulate a girl into dating them. God hasn't spoke to them. God hasn't given them a sign. God hasn't given them a signal. Their life is just a disaster, and they're trying to make it spiritual just to manipulate your emotions. Watch out for that. Your parents will know when that's going on. Your friends will know when that's going on. And your pastor will know when that's going on. It's easy to spot those guys. Pray for them, but stay away from them. God bless them. But I tell you, uh, another great biblical example is uh, Abraham's servant, Eliezer. He is sent to go and find a bride for Abraham's son, Isaac. And Eliezer asks God for a sign. He says, whenever I go to the well, whatever maid gives me a drink and then offers to give my camels a drink, that'll be the sign that I'm looking for, that this is the one. And Rebecca comes out and fulfills that sign. And can I tell you this, guys, that's a good place to start. Any girl who helps you, any girl who is a blessing to you, any girl who adds value to you, that's usually a good sign to start with. Uh, those are great signals from the Lord. And if you ask God to give you one concerning that certain person, if they are to be your future, I believe if you do it with faith, you do it humbly, you do it sincerely, you're in a good place. Chances are God is going to give you the sign that you need, that she is that right girl, that he is that right guy, and that your marriage will be blessed. I graduated from Bible college in the early 2000s, and I came home single. And let me tell you what, that was very discouraging. I don't know what it was. It was like for most people, a guy goes to Bible college not to learn to be a minister not to learn to study, not to learn to get consecrated before the Lord and prepare his heart to be uh, a minister for him, but rather you go there to find a wife. And thank God for people that have found it in Bible college. 